1: There's a reason why I started Blood Origins, And that reason is simple. Is that I wanted to convey the truth about hunting.
2: It brings awareness to to non-hunters that it's, it's more than just killing animals.
0: How do hey. I start it?
3: Brittany, my name. My
1: name
0: is. <laughs> Does my hair look okay? It's fantastic.
1: My name is Mike Axelrod. Start again. Yeah, I hated it too. Joel Gay is one of the leading voices coming out of New Mexico that is a pro-reformation of the E-plus program. Joel represents, I don't believe he's the executive director, but I think he is the chapter president of New Mexico BHA, Backcountry Hunters and Anglers. So we got into a very thoughtful discussion about why they believe the E-plus program needs to be reformed. The E-Plus program was opened in 2018 and had a number of changes associated with that rule change. And they believe that in 2022, the rule will be opened again and there will be an opportunity to change the E-Plus program to benefit more of the public trust and their access to L-Tags in the state of New Mexico. All right. The question of the moment. (laughs) I'm, I'm sure you could guess what kind of question I'm about to throw at you. Is the E-plus elk tag
3: system in New Mexico a good idea or a bad idea, Joel?
2: You know, it depends on how far into the weed you want to get. Uh, hey, we're going to dive. We're, we're going to go all over the
1: show wherever you want to go. Yeah. So, um, I think... It's a difficult question to answer straight up yes or no, right? Exactly. Exactly.
2: It's too it's too nuanced and that's one of the reasons why the New Mexico chapter of Backcountry Hunters and Anglers has been doing this education program.
3: We've
1: mm, so got we some started,
2: great got some great
1: articles online.
2: Yeah. Uh, and you know, it's boring as hell. Um, you know, we we uh, we've talked about doing this for a couple of years and um just realized that there's no way to 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 boil e plus down into like a fairly short uh you know one page kind of a write up or anything so we broke it down into as many episodes or you know separate sections as it's going to take and um and so far we're up to I think about four pieces right now and we probably have two three maybe even four more depending on um how far we you know want to dive into the weeds
1: Gotcha, gotcha.
2: Let's go back to the question.
1: Yeah, let's go back to the question.
2: Um, the idea of compensating landowners for providing beneficial habitat for elk, and in particular for providing the public access to their lands to hunt elk, that's a great idea. We just think that um, that giving... Away these valuable, um, you know, their authorizations to buy an elk license. So technically, right. the state is not giving away a license. They, that's right. they end up selling a license. Yep. So giving away this public resource that we all own. Um, we think that's the bad idea. We think there's better ways to compensate landowners. And I, I think there's other models out in the world to, to follow.
1: But isn't anybody eligible to? By that authorization,
2: well, yeah, but I mean, you know that just goes back to to the King of England you know if 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 the you know if the point here is to make it so only the wealthy can hunt and shit we're on the we're on the right track mm
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: well, before we go any
1: further, Joel, why don't you introduce yourself and explain who you are and what you do?
2: Sure, my name is Joel Gay. Um, I grew up in New Mexico. I left in my 20s for Alaska, lived up there for about 30 years, came back about 15 years ago to be closer to my family, all of whom were here. Um, I grew up fishing in New Mexico. I never hunted when I was here um, and really only started hunting about a dozen years ago when I started work at the New Mexico Wildlife Federation. And there I worked for about eight years until I retired. I was a communications guy, uh, but, you know, we kind of did everything, including a lot of research into elk tag or all sorts of big game tags in New Mexico.
3: Mm -hmm.
2: And at that time, you know, the, the the way elk tags, antelope tags, deer tags were distributed in New Mexico was a mystery. Mm -hmm. No, it was you could, you could figure out. And one of the things that we did was figured out the actual draw odds for all sorts of hunts and species and areas and whatnot. And for instance, you know, your odds of drawing an antelope tag were something like 5%. And so you'd ask game and fish, how, you know, how come it's so hard to draw a tag? Oh, it's the drought. Mm -hmm. Well, no, it's because they were giving away 75% of all the antelope tags to landowners. Mm -hmm. They've, they've, and, and we raised hell about that, and they eventually um, changed the system because the system wasn't working for the Department of Game and Fish either. You know, the system was set up so that the landowners who complained the, the loudest, the hardest, maybe the ones who were, you know, more, or, you know, better politically uh, connected, they were the ones who were getting as many antelope tags as they wanted. Or maybe not as 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 many as they wanted it wasn't but, based on
1: a formula or anything like that well, back then
2: that's exactly right it was is one of one the guy actually who was running the program at the time for game and fish told us that that the way they determined these these antelope allocations was over the hood of a pickup truck oh okay landowner.
1: but that and, was you know, what ten years ago, fifteen years ago
2: yeah uh, yeah yeah okay yeah and 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 essentially that's the way e plus has worked for a long time. They did a they did a major revision of E plus in 2018, mm-hmm. and actually made some really good improvements in the program. So but let me
1: let's so let's talk about E plus for those that aren't familiar with E plus. Can you give us a five minute rundown of the primary zone, secondary zone, special special zone, and how E plus like fits in amongst that?
2: Sure. Yeah, it, and it's complicated. Um. So, Explain it
1: in the crux of the matter of knowing that you guys, when I say you guys, the BHA of New Mexico is very much interested in getting more public land tags for elk.
2: Yeah. So the way it works now is that if you divide up New Mexico into where the elk are, you come up with essentially three different maps and the, the vast majority of the elk are, in what's called the primary zone, and that would yep. be you know all the big forests, the Hilo Carson, Zach, you know the Lincoln, et cetera. And so, if you are a landowner in the primary management zone, you are qualified. Uh, you know you can sign up, and and if you provide meaningful benefit for elk. And this is one of the good changes that they made in 2018. Before that, it was basically the, the local biologists would go out, talk to the landowner and, and would determine kind of then and there whether that, that particular mm-hmm. ranch was benefiting elk. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, a, a ranch has to meet certain criteria. And so there's certain ranches
1: out there that do not meet the criteria exactly. and do not get the, L tags, it, right?
2: This, you know, a good example of of how the program was what running before was the fact that they 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 kicked about seven hundred ranches out of E plus because these and and this is this is where this you know a lot of this concern that hunters have is because of the way the program used to work. Okay, you know, and so they made made substantial improvements after that. So essentially okay. now,
1: if you are a rancher, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong here, if you're a rancher and you're doing things that benefit elk, i.e. habitat restoration, you've got some agricultural lands on your, on your property, alfalfa fields, whatnot, you've got some water, you do some riparian protections, all of that factors into now you getting allocated a certain allotment of elk tags.
2: Yeah. So, so what they, what Game of Fish does is they have a list of, I think six criteria and okay. it is water cover habitat. Is there agriculture on your property? Is there, is there cover? Uh, is it close to, you know, urban areas or is it, you know, really quiet? That's mm-hmm. and so you mm-hmm. get like one, I think one, two or three, zero one or two points for each of those criteria. And if, if all your points add up to at least, I think seven, seven or more than you are in e plus okay but that is just for the primary management zone okay for the secondary management zone there are elk and so you might even think of these as is you know maybe not the foothills so much but other parts of the state uh where elk are at some time of the year but they're just not you know in the in the dense concentrations and then the third area is what they call the special management areas. And these are, in some cases, huge ranches. Ted Turner's uh mm-hmm. range, the Vive mm-hmm. Um And so these, are so these are areas that are, there's no private, I'm sorry, no public land, or there's a couple of small parcels of public land like wildlife management areas. So, okay. for instance, there's several, anyhow, so... So if you're a landowner in the secondary management zone, you no longer receive E plus tags. You can sell an unlimited right. over the counter. And that's a change from 2018. Before okay. Part of that, they used to give away, Game of Fish would give these landowners dozens or hundreds because a lot of these are huge ranches. And so they would sell those authorizations or they would not even use them. And that was one of the, that was one of the frustrations that we had, that hunters had, was that there was uh, roughly eight thousand elk tags a year that were being allocated to these landowners that weren't being used. That's eight thousand tags that the department was not selling, eight thousand mm-hmm. tags that you know I couldn't draw. And so anyhow, they they el- eliminated the you know, game of fish stopped giving those tags. In the secondary management zone, and they just made it all over the counter, which is basically what they did with antelope and it's over
1: the counter for anyone
2: yeah, but you got you know you have to have a place to hunt right and so right. I go to you as the landowner, I say, "Hey, can I hunt your your land?" and they say, "Sure, you know, I used to know your grandpa you, you can up for free, or they may say, no, I don't like the car that you drive, you can't." So is it to,
1: like uh, Montana, Wyoming? You can play a trespass fee potentially in the secondary that's zone.
2: Exact, it's exactly what we have. To, what you have to, I mean, you know, the, the landowner could call it anything they want. Sure, but sure. Essentially, it's a trespass fee. It's a fee okay. to access the land.
1: Okay. Which is which is you know common pretty much
2: oh, across yeah. the west. And, you would and, think, right? Well, yeah, and it seems to be you know it seems to be working out pretty well. I mean, I'm not really sure what the numbers are. We have asked for the numbers. Uh, since 2018, and Game and Fish is just—they won't give them to us mm-hmm. in violation of our public records law. So mm-hmm. we're trying to get the information.
1: So in the primary zone, I assume the issue with E plus is in the primary zone.
2: That's it. Okay. Yes.
1: So let's dig into that. Like, so let me ask this question: Is there a what is the the distribution right now between? Public land tags and private tags in the primary zone. Do we know the stats there?
2: I, I couldn't tell you right off the bat, but um, but in New Mexico, there's about you know in the last couple of years, there's been twenty two thousand more or less tags in the public draw. Okay and the last few years there's been about thirteen thousand tags that go to landowners and those are well there again we're it's about 40 percent less yeah exactly it used okay. to be it used to be about 50 50. okay that was when they were given tags to in the secondary yeah yep. so yeah so so say that you're a rancher in the primary management zone Mm-hmm. You apply for and get accepted into E. Then Game and Fish goes through each game management unit and says, okay, you know, just let's just, for example, say that there's there's 100,000 acres of private land yep. and 100,000 acres of public land. Yeah. That GMU in the primary management zone. 100 and 100. And so what they do, Game of Fish then, says, okay, well, 50% of the elk tags that we have allocated are going to go to the private landowners. Okay. 4% go into the draw.
3: Okay.
2: That's 20, 80 or 64, you know, 36. That's the split.
1: So by your original math though, that means there's going, they all, there is more public land. Across all the GMUs in the primary zone, then there, are, then there is
2: private land. That, is, that would have to be the case, yeah.
0: Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal develop high quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super fast shipping, midwayusa.com.
2: Because
1: you said 22,000 to 13. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But in a, in, a, in, a, in a sort of hypothetical GMU, if you had a split down the middle, 50-50, yeah. private, public, the elk tags are split
2: 50-50. And what's kind of interesting... And here, again, this is something that that just doesn't sit right with a lot of people, is that Game & Fish bases that allocation on the total amount of private land in the GMU, not the private land that's enrolled in E+. So, for instance, if there's 100,000 acres of private land, and maybe all 100,000 are enrolled in E+. Maybe only twenty thousand enrolled in E+. Either way, in that GMU, the, the you know the tech gets split fifty fifty between public and private. Well, let me ask this: Does
1: the ranch itself say I'm I own? Let's use that hypothetical example again: fifty thousand, hundred thousand, hundred thousand, and that hundred thousand in scenario one. Let's call it it's one ranch. Yes. Okay. If that ranch is doing elk. If it qualifies for E plus, the entire acreage qualifies for E plus, correct?
2: Yes, the ranch qualifies.
1: Okay. Yeah. So what you're saying is, in let's say scenario two, it's made up of 10,000 10, acre ranches. Only two of those 10,000 10, acre ranches actually qualified for E plus. The other eight aren't doing anything for elk, but they the base the private land allocation of elk in that GMU off of 100,000 instead of
2: 20,000. Exactly. So um, let's just say that, that that Game and Fish had determined that there was going to be 100 elk available in that particular GMU, total bulls, cows, um, and they'll split that up between archery and rifle and muzzle loader and all kinds of stuff. But if you have a hundred elk that are going to come out of there, 50 of those are going to go to the landowners through E plus and 50 are going to go to the draw. And so what, 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 one of here, again, this is a number that we're trying to get is trying to figure out, okay, well, if the, if the private land gets 50 tags, and only 20% of the private land is enrolled in E+, plus, then, you know, we, we're just kind of having a hard time figuring out the benefit there.
3: So mm-hmm.
2: one of the things that, that Game of Fish did in 2018 was that they kicked out uh, roughly 700 ranches out of the program. And these were primarily, you know, probably mostly small ranches. So, you know, they might've got one or two or, you know, five tags a year and, okay. and some of them don't even get a tag a year sometimes they get only every other couple of years but okay. all of those tags you know one of the things that that hunters said at that time was if you kick out all these ranches for failing to provide adequate help uh, elk habitat mm-hmm. then why don't you put those tags into the big game draw and they didn't. They went. All those extra tags went to landowners already enrolled, so they got this, you know, the, this benefit. I mean, you know, I've talked to landowners who all of a sudden who used to get say two cow tags and and maybe a bull tag every two or three years. All of a sudden, they're getting a bull tag every year and five mm. cow tags
3: mm-hmm.
2: or whatever the numbers are. You know, I mean, so the the
1: number I, I think it's a, maybe I'm viewing this a little differently, but. I think the hypothetical example of 50-50, as you started by saying, it doesn't seem to be reality, right? It almost is like a 22 to 13,000. So let me do my math. 35, 22 out of 35, 65, 35. Is that how it really splits out right now? 70,
2: 30? What you're looking at is a statewide average. or in A statewide that, average for the primary uh, zone, right? Exactly, yeah. So, so yeah, so... Some of those areas, um, you know, I, I don't know which one. Say, say the Gila. Just say that there's a million acres of public land and a mm. hundred thousand acres of private land. Well, that it'll be a ten to one, right? Lit there. Um, so, yeah, it's complicated.
1: So, in terms of what you're proposing, like, so what's the you you, you came out of the gate and said, look there is no doubt and i think it's very difficult to question this but you said there's no doubt that the benefit to the land the benefit to the elk that private landowners do is unquestionable like without that like there would be a detriment to the elk herd right
2: well that that may be a little bit of overstatement there's a lot of landowners who do a lot for elk mm-hmm. there's a lot of landowners who don't do anything because they don't need to because they have they have water that, you know, this, these are not drilled wells. These are streams. They've got, you know, um, you know, meadows, they've got, you know, plenty of cover. They got blah, 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 fill in the blank. So there's, there's, and, and, you know, it's really interesting to go through the real estate listings of ranches in New Mexico. And, and, you know, it'll, it'll say, you know, whatever, some, some ranch you know off for sale for x amount of money say 600 acres and it comes with 17 elk tags or 32 or 25 or whatever so um you know you know there again i mean you know we have no idea we don't really know how much benefit all this provides and Mm. we hear we hear a lot of time Uh, you know, all the time about landowners being the best friends that, that you know, wildlife have.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, And that's probably true. But, you know, I don't think that anybody went out there and and said to, you know, the New Mexico Cattle Growers Association, um, you know, would you please start putting in drinkers for elk? Right. Uh, You know, they put in the drinkers for their cattle or their sheep or whatever. And the elk have been there, you know, for a long, long time. And so, yeah, they help themselves, and there's money available from the Department of Game and Fish to, you know, compensate landowners for the damages they've occurred. But so, if
1: I know it is going to be difficult to sort of pin, sort of put your finger on that thing that is like, how do you assess the benefit to the elk herd from private habitat restoration? But don't we have a, a sort of more general indicator of? elk in New Mexico in terms of how, how is the population in New Mexico doing from an elk perspective?
2: Oh, it's doing great. It is doing great. You know, in in around, New, when New Mexico became a state in 1912, there were basically zero elk here. Hmm.
0: The,
2: there was an original uh, species of Merriam's elk which would, had been extirpated by overgrazing and market hunting. Um, and then, you know, a couple of uh, a small group of rent, uh, landowners, ranchers, um, and, and, and guys like Aldo Leopold, you know, when he was living here back in right, right. 14, you know, those guys were thinking, okay, we need, you know, we need to rebuild these, all these stocks, elk, antelope, turkeys, you know, you name it. So, the, so they brought in Rocky Mountain elk. They Transplanted them and basically went from zero to we're probably a hundred thousand elk right now. Oh. and and you know, is it's not enough to satisfy, you know, oh. all the demand.
3: Sure, of
1: but course,
2: way too much. Too much for a lot of ranchers. I mean, you know, we have we have, you know, probably every year uh, we have episodes of people, um, you know, shooting elk that are, you know, in their yards, you know, going through their alfalfa fields or, or antelope or deer or whatever. Um, you know, it's, you know, they're, they're a nuisance to a lot of these people. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, we would love to find some way to make sure that landowners welcome elk onto their property. They, you know, they, they appreciate elk but the problem that that we face here in New Mexico and they're starting to face all over the West is this question of commercialization
3: mm-hmm.
2: and that's a slippery slope, you know? Mm-hmm. So what we do now is we give, you know, it's, it's, you know, whatever, say one out of, well, what, whatever, 13,000 tags out of 45,000 tags that are, you mm-hmm. know, sold, um, so we give those authorizations to these landowners. You can yep. buy, sell, trade, give away. right? And, you know, it used to, I mean, it used to be that, that places, well, that the, some of these big ranches that got a lot of cow tags, and that's not where the money is. No, and They would sell those for, you know, a couple of hundred bucks. And I know a lot of people who used to, you know, spend a couple of hundred bucks and go up and buy a cow tag. I saw yeah. one on Craigslist the other day. Um, some guys, you know, it, you know, he had five tags. He was selling them for a hundred bucks a piece. He made it sound like his ranch is way in the hell out there. You know, he he just he made a real point of in his Craigslist ad saying this is really hard to find and blah 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 blah. Or you know, so so some people are selling their their tags cheap, and some people are giving them away. You know, we. BHA has been given tags um, that we then passed on to a youth hunter because you know we they're yeah. like that's you know if the state won't give them away we will
1: yeah and there's and there's a lot of private lands that do give away a lot of tags right as you just oh, indicated
2: absolutely I'm sure they yeah. do. Um you know we well, don't youth have,
1: hunts and veteran
2: hunts and yeah all that stuff yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and that's great and you know if if you know what? Our our big concern is the commercialization of wildlife. And if if people were given away these tags, or you know just allowing the public onto their land to hunt, that'd be one thing. But when you've got people charging five, eight, ten, twelve, fifteen thousand dollars for a bull elk tag, and you know some of those include guiding services, and you know some of them don't. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, that's a lot of money, and it's a very slippery slope from there. Okay, we, you know they, they can they can truthfully say we're not selling the license. Game and Fish is selling the license. We're selling the you know authorization. Well, you know, sell what you own, which is your land. Sell access to your land, and let the Department of Game and Fish be in the business of you know distributing these tags democratically, which is what the North American model has been saying for, you know, a hundred years.
1: But isn't that one in the same? It sounds like the authorization and the access to the land are sort of like half of, you know, the way that my mom used to call it, six of one, half a dozen of another, right? In that the authorization, I can either sell the authorization for $6,000 or I can not sell the authorization, but I can sell access to my property for $6,000.
2: Exactly. Well, you know is there I don't see that difference is there a difference there there is a difference because those authorizations you know it's a very short distance between the authorization and the tag mm-hmm. let's just you know call it for what it really is they're selling tags mm-hmm. and so those tags are owned by everybody in New Mexico and you know really by extension everybody you know the entire you know these land these uh, Wildlife are held in trust by the public and they're managed in this case by the state of New Mexico. And we give away, um, you know, we give away thousands and thousands of tags a year through this democratic process, you know, no percent, you know, no, um, point system, no, you know, no goofing around, you know, if you either win or you lose the tag. You get mm-hmm. your first, second, or third choice, or nothing. Mm-hmm. And you know it pisses me off. I mean, this is the third year in a row I have not drawn an elk tag, mm-hmm. and um, and the year before that I drew one of the most highly coveted tags in North America, a, a bow tag in the Vias Caldera National Preserve. Unbelievable, unbelievable opportunity. So if if it's okay for a landowner to sell a this public resource why not me you know i i drew that via caldera tag but
1: isn't there a huge difference in that that person i hate to be simplistic about it but he owns the land it's his land right and although the wildlife doesn't belong to him (laughs) the wildlife is a state resource right but if his land wasn't there and this is I guess this, you know, from a private land perspective, like I own my house, you own a house. Um, if the private landowners just said, screw it, we're not going to do anything for elk anymore. Is that a, I don't, that couldn't be a good thing for the New Mexico elk herd.
2: Yeah, it, it would not be good. Let's go back to what you just said though. You know, what's the difference between selling trespass fee for six thousand dollars and an excuse me an authorization for six thousand dollars and that's kind of what we're saying which is that you know let the department of game and fish say you know here's here's all the people who have who get to you know hunt in unit 17 or nine. the only
1: problem with that would be i can see that happening so essentially uh, let's again, hypothetically, let's put a scenario out there. Yeah. All the tags go to New Mexico Game and Fish. There's not a single landowner tag any longer. However, the landowners themselves now have a, grad, a gradation of costs to access their properties because they keep them up, they provide the habitat, they keep the roads up. That costs money. And so they're going to get compensated for, you know, and also people now accessing their property. There are a bunch of dumbasses out there doing stupid stuff, leaving gates open. We all know that kind of stuff. So there's got to be some mechanism to say, look, we understand stuff's going to go wrong, so here's some money, right? And so let's just say there's a gradation, and Joe Blow happens to pull a tag for what you just said, the the, the, the Vias Vias Caldera, yeah. the viaus Condera of private land. But instead of it costing, how much did your Vias Condera tag cost?
2: 85. 100 bucks.
1: Yeah. 100 bucks. No, yeah, 96 bucks.
3: bucks. Yeah, 96. 96 bucks.
1: This guy now has to say, is going to say, Sorry. No, you're good. you're good. You're good. So, So now, this guy, in this new hypothetical scenario, this guy, the only way he can hunt that is to pay
2: $6,000. So, so I guess, you know, what's the distinction between paying $6,000 for access or $6,000 for a tag?
1: In my mind, that's, that's it's just, that's what said. it's half of half of, you know, six of one, half a dozen of another.
2: That's what, that's what we're saying. We're saying, you know, but that let's, person yeah. wouldn't pay the 6, is what I'm saying. Well, I mean, I don't, I don't see what's the difference. But you know, for for me, when I pay six thousand bucks for you know something, it doesn't matter if I pay it in you know pesos or dollars. I mean, it's six thousand dollars that's coming out of my bank account. And so
1: let's go. Do you think that the general public? And I guess maybe this is where we got back to the original point of it. Becoming almost like a rich man's game, right? To hunt, which is do you think the general tag applicant would be able to afford it? And I and and let me I'll add one more question on there, which is, and if he can't or she cannot, how then can is the landowner compensated for the land? for the habitat that he is or she is providing to keep the elk herd in a healthy condition?
2: Well, you know, that's, you're getting into some really complicated questions here. and, and That's well, why we love
1: this podcast.
2: Well, so, so one of them is, is, you know, wait a second, who deputized these particular landowners to manage these elk herds? They're being managed by the Department of Game and Fish and and in fact you know you know in, a, in a subs- they can't
1: be well, truly managed on a, on a private piece of property by the department of game of fish can they
2: well so for instance in they're really only getting managed by the tag system no 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 it- they're they're actually on these big ranches they determine you know how many animals they want to take whether they're you know if they if they if they want to reduce their own elk herds you know they'll hunt cows if they just are mm-hmm. they, they mm-hmm. may be able to. they may be able to sustainably harvest 30 bulls a year and they decide well we're only going to take five
3: mm-hmm.
2: and so um but that's a decision that's being made by the ranch maybe in consultation with the department of game of fish but maybe not you know, it may be that the Department of Game and Fish just says, well, and this is this seems to be the case all over, is that um, that the privatization of this wildlife, the commercialization of this wildlife is leading to the privatization of the management. Now, does game and fish need some help? Heck yeah. You know, this is a yeah. huge state. We've got a small department there yeah. chronically underfunded. We would love to see them, for instance, Start getting some more of this federal money through Rawa and this and that. Mm-hmm. Um, and f- in part for more biologists, but it, you know, I think a lot of us would like to see a lot more law enforcement.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So,
2: anyhow, you that that's, there are, there are all sorts of threads in this uh, question of private management slash the commercialization of wildlife. And so you know, going back to the, the New Mexico chapter of Backcountry hunter and Anglers is not not saying that we need to do X, Y, or Z. What we're saying is that we need to go back and take a look at the at the E plus program, and, and and try and look through the lens of the North American model and see what you know what. Because things have changed in the last hundred years,
3: mm-hmm. and
2: the issues that we're facing in New Mexico are the same ones we're facing in Colorado and Utah and Wyoming and Montana mm-hmm. and all all of us need to start thinking about how do these how do these things fit together how does how does wildlife management and hunting management uh, fit into the scheme? And you know you could you know as well as anybody the the arguments and the concerns that are going on in, in state capitals, right? You know, these game, game commission meetings, you know, where, where increasingly it is, you know, well, like in Montana, the stuff that I've read, I, I certainly, I'm no expert in this stuff, but you know, you read about, you know, rich non-residents coming in and sort of, I don't know, throwing around their weight or, or, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. leaning on their friends in high places um, and billionaires have got a lot of friends in high places, um, to get elk tags, you know, on their private land. Mm-hmm. And, and so let's, you know, let's go back to some of these hypotheticals in New Mexico. Let's sure. say, let's sure. just say that, that, you know, Joe Blow has been, you know, he's got 500 acres and he gets 10 tags a year and, um, could, he sell access to that land, you know, not, not you know, very few people own the Vias Caldera or mm-hmm. that kind mm-hmm. of quality hunting experience. Um, so could he do that? Sure. Could he get, could he get compensation? We have a program called the open gate program. We pay landowners, ranchers, to provide, to allow public access. Like for- a
1: wildlife walk-in access program or something exactly. like that. You right? know, yeah. And,
2: and I, you know, I think that the, the Montana block program does the right. same thing. And, and you look around at, at some of the other states, uh, Colorado and Utah, for instance, um, they'll say, okay, we'll give you you know, 20 tags, but you have to take, you know, 10 of those have to come out of the draw. And mm. we'll pick, you know, we're going to pick 10 people out of the draw and um and assign them to your ranch right you know one of the things you know and i'm sorry if this is a tangent but one of the things that that distresses me and a lot of other other hunters is this bad relationship that hunters and landowners have and it's not everybody it's it's you know just sort of in general and you mm-hmm. always hear about, you know, the asshole leaves the gate open or leaves a can. Oh, sure,
1: sure, sure, sure.
2: Blah, blah, blah. And you know, you also hear these stories. I, you know, you can still hear these in New Mexico, where you know my grandpa used to hunt on your grandpa's ranch, and they got along just fine, or maybe they didn't. Who knows? <laughs> but you know what we needed to be doing more is talking, right? And I can't think of a better way to start talking than to than for the Department of Game and Fish to, for instance, maybe start assigning people to a ranch. I mean, that's what they that's what they did in, with antelope in New Mexico. And to tell you the truth, I don't know how that worked out. I, it'd be interesting to go back and talk to some of the antelope mm-hmm. biologists, some of the ranchers, and see if that helped. But you know, elk, you know, elk. You know, uh, ranchers that I mean, uh, hunters have been driven off of public land by unethical ranchers in the past. You know, you can't hunt here because this is my land. Well, hell no, it's not. You know, now that we have GPS, we realize no, this is this is public land, and I've got a right to go through here to this forest, right? Right, you know, and it just, I mean, I know that 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 landowners have got. Plenty of legitimate beefs about hunters and vice versa.
1: Right, right. What about? Um, let me ask this. Maybe put a fine point on this conversation because I've really liked it. Um, in 2022, is there a solution? Does New Mexico BHA have a proposed like? This is what we would like to see change in E plus.
2: No, we really don't because we don't. We don't have all the answers. But we just think it is time to take a close look. What we have been saying over and over and over is that we would like our department, our state game commission, to open up the E plus rule, like they do every four years, and try and figure out some way to more equitably, dis- you know, disperse these tags. Do and it may be this it may be looking at at that that question of of the percentage of public land versus private land you know do mm-hmm. they do do we automatically need to do a 50-50 split on public and private land or or i mean a you know an equal split mm-hmm. um, or could we could we find you know could we say okay if if you get more than 10 tags you know you're gonna to have to start put you know bringing you know a few people onto your ranch.
1: Yeah for every 10 tags you get you we're gonna allow one block management access scenario to occur. For,
2: for every 10 tags we we allow 10 people in there.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: you know mm-hmm. I, I don't know what the numbers are. yeah, yeah. Um, and you know I I know that the landowners and the and a lot of the people who have a vested interest in keeping this program going, um are really disappointed in the fact that we want to have this conversation and that hunters you know we feel like we have gotten the raw end of the deal you know when it and it's hard not to feel that way for when for years and years and years you know we we're seeing um we we're seeing a ranch of 1 acre get a private land tag
1: yeah but that doesn't occur anymore, right?
2: No, now it's two three, five, seven, eight acres. You tell me that that that's you know that that provides meaningful benefit to elk. Well, I don't know.
1: you're saying that someone in the state of New Mexico in the primary yeah. zone
2: oh if you, if you like i'll I'll send you the the landowner list and you can see the size of these these ranches that are getting tags,
1: so maybe. It's a acreage size again, like you, that they well, instated in 2018. I, I, think, I thought you said – wasn't there – I thought, oh, no, no, no. You said that 700 ranches got kicked out because of lack of productive elk habitat. Correct. Yeah. wasn't a size acreage we, we limit.
2: Have, we don't have a minimum ranch size, whereas Colorado – shit, in Utah, I think the minimum ranch size is 5,000 acres. So – Um, so yeah, we, we'd like to talk about all these things and, and, you know, truthfully, you know, I'm sure that there's a, there'd be a landowner who's got three acres who could probably put up a pretty good argument of why he or she deserves a tag.
1: And especially if they have 50 elk chowing the alfalfa field, maybe or something like that, right?
2: But you know, yeah, so God only knows. We have this whole unit-wide thing, and a lot of states have unit-wide tags. So you have a private land tag, and you get. But to But you can hunt
1: public land. ground. Exactly. But the, it doesn't work the other way around.
2: Well, it actually it actually takes it does, up. doesn't it? Because they they have to
1: they have to give access.
2: Yeah, to and that. so and so, like in that particular GMU, all all the ranches that have received unit-wide tags. Their hunters can hunt on public land and technically all of those public land hunters can then hunt on these ranches. Why do you say technically? Well, because why would you want to hunt on a ranch where there's no elk? If, if, if you have a ranch, if you have a ranch, that has got elk on it. That's where you would hunt or, you know, think about if you've got a ranch that's five acres or eight acres or 12 acres, you know, I'm not sure I'd want to have,
1: you know, so even those smaller acreage
2: ranches get unit wide tags. They get to choose. They get to choose. If if you are in E plus, in the primary management zone, you are automatically given a unit wide tag. You only get ranch only if you request it. Interesting. And and it's not a huge number. I think I think most ranches and you know the the, the majority of the the ranch acreage is in ranch only mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they don't do this anymore but you know a couple of years well in, before 2018 they would give they would give unit wide tags in say unit nine to a ranch in unit six six a or six that doesn't C. make any sense that's what we said so we just think
1: but that doesn't happen in
2: longer either. I don't think it does, but I uh, – yeah, I don't think it does, but I'm not even 100% sure of that.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When is the um, – maybe my final question. When is the E-plus uh, regulation up for reopening in the state of New Mexico?
2: It should come up in 2022. We have we have a schedule for all the big game rules, elk, deer, etc., cetera, uh, and they come up automatically every four years. I believe that E-plus is – Is
1: oh, because of the rule change in 2018. Yeah, well,
2: yeah, it would make sense. Uh, but I believe that it's it's kind of up to the discretion of the game commission that they could bring it up, they could open it up, they could open up a lot of rules whenever they want.
3: Mm
2: -hmm. Um, so anyhow, we're hoping that the game commission will open it in 2022. We'll have some serious discussions about this,
1: sure, and and, and this is thought provoking, uh, thought provoking uh, discussions as well.
2: Well, and you know, one of the interesting things here in New Mexico is that, is that this, these quote unquote private land programs have been around for decades, I don't know, 40, I mean, generations. And there are a lot of, there are probably a lot of ranches that uh, rely on elk tag sales to stay afloat. Mm-hmm. and so you know we're we're hearing this thing about oh you're gonna put these you know these these old ranchers out of business,
3: mm-hmm. or
2: their ranches are just gonna get turned into you know ranchettes and sold to Texans or whatever you know and and you're like, you know wait a second, you know when did it become the job of the Department of Game and Fish or the the good people in New Mexico who hold all these elk tags and trusts, when did it become our job to support any industry?
1: Yeah, but if land doesn't make money, it's just like in Africa, right? If the value of whatever you have on that land isn't going to be productive, it can't just live there, right? You can't just, the dirt can't just be the dirt. Because in today's day and age, if I can't, if I'm, I'll put myself in in the shoes of the landowner in New Mexico, and Full discretion, I am not a landowner in the state of New Mexico, okay? (laughs) Um, But if I had elk, if I had five acres, eight acres, ten acres kind of deal and pretty good elk habitat, or maybe a hundred acres, whatever. And someone says, well, you're not going to get the elk tags any longer. So you're not going to make your 80 grand a year or 60 grand a year. I'm going to like where am I going to get my 80 where am I going to get the money to pay for my property taxes now or to move, do the improvements on the land or that I get to hunt elk. And if I can't do all those things and if I can't put cows on it and I can't grow alfalfa on it then I'm going to sell it.
2: I, and, and there's I'm, there's there's a lot of people who would buy that buy that land
1: what about people that would buy that land and not keep it in elk habitat
2: you know i mean you know i convert it are, are, like, we, are we something that is not good for elk Are away from uh from capitalism here you know i mean what you know what what exactly are you aiming for is that is that you want to have the government you know making sure that this land well, how about this? That's go a good back, point. It's a good point. Let's go back to what you just said, which is that you know you're a landowner and and let's you know, let's say you like to eat elk. what if what if you got tags that were that were not, were transferable within your family? And I think other states do this. You know one of the problems, one of the issues that we have is that, You know, rancher gets ten tags, and he sells them to a broker, who then sells them to Cabela's, who then sells them to the Dallas Safari Club, and so all the way along, you know, presumably somebody, you know, everybody's making their cut, and Mm -hmm. maybe you know, and the the rancher may just turn, you know, he may just actually sell them to, you know, people that he knows. He may give them away. He may not even use them, but you know, don't confuse the 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 fact that we think that that we're opposed to the commercialization. We're not opposed to having you know, giving a landowner a tag for elk, and maybe you know, not even giving them. We may not even be opposed to giving them twenty tags for elk, but we're just thinking that that those tags. Ought not to be commercialized because that's a slippery slope, and and you know I'm sure that that you could put together a pretty good podcast of people talking about the potential for slippery slopes mm-hmm. in that in that arena.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: How do you balance? Maybe this is my, and this will be my final question because <laughs> it's it's it, it just it's it is an onion layer. How do you balance? the desire not to commercialize wildlife against depredation needs of wildlife.
2: Well, in New Mexico, we have, we have a really challenging situation because we have a law that was passed by our legislature. I don't know, 10, 12 years ago, maybe um, that allows a landowner to take any animal that is uh, damaging or threatening to damage their property. Mm-hmm. So you can kill an elk uh, if it's in your cornfield or you know whatever, in your rose bushes. And it doesn't happen very often, but when it does happen, it is just horrible. We had a guy, a situation in northern... Oh, you can imagine that
1: sort of the paperwork tied to something like that right well to the proof
2: is the least of it you know the, you know can you imagine can you imagine being in the department of game and fish and being called out to a ranch where a guy has shot and wounded or killed something like 42 antelope with a Oh sh-
1: man yeah
2: perfectly legal and the guy a guy who opened fire on a herd uh, just a, a little herd of bull elk um, a couple of miles, probably less than a, probably less than two miles from I twenty five down in South Central New Mexico, they were in his they were in his field. He opens up with a high powered rifle. He shoots them. They're gut shot. They're shot mm. in the leg. They're wounded. Terrible. Even fish had to come out and and polish a whole bunch of them off. And so that's so anyhow we have we have some depredation issues here. Everybody's got depredation issues. And the Department of Game and Fish has got a depredation fund that that you and I pay for. Every time we buy a big game license, a dollar goes into the depredation fund. And we have money available to ranchers who want to fence out. It's a fence out state. All of, all of the West is a fence out state. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, if, if I want to keep cows out of my yard, I have to fence them out.
1: Oh, okay. okay, if,
2: okay. If, if this rancher wants to keep elk out... You know, now all of a sudden I'm responsible for keeping the elk off of his property. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, there's probably a good reason for it.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Maybe mm-hmm. not. I don't know. Well, let's talk about that stuff. You should come yeah. down. When we open up the E plus rule, you should come down and listen. Listen.
1: Absolutely. We, We're all, need listen. To
2: listen. we all need to listen. That's absolutely. A- I think that that's a, the message here is that, absolutely you know, I don't think hunters have all the answers and I certainly don't think that landowners have all the answers and I'm not sure that selling tags is the answer. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you go back to the very beginning, you know, we believe that land, you know, we believe that a lot of landowners do a lot of really good for wildlife and they need to be compensated because it's a, it's a mean old world out there. And so there's, you know, there's a lot of money changing hands through elk authorizations right now. Um, You know, could we funnel that a little bit, you know, somehow or other, you know, redirect the flow of the money, um, you know, start paying people for access to their land through a program called open gate or the block program or whatever, or maybe we just say, you know, here you can have, you can have 10 tags if you let 10 public jaw hunters on here. And, um, and, and, you know, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: I just well, don't, I-, I don't think that commercialization of wildlife is the, is the right road. Is that the right path for us to take? It's just it's just getting really crazy all over the West right now. And I think it's time for New Mexico to step back. You know, we have been held up by some as the model because we have, you know, we have turned, you know, these elk tags into a commodity. And I don't know. I mean, I I have a hard time, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. seeing how that squares And, Mm -hmm. and the answers are just as hard. Believe me. I mean, sure. as, as we have said, you know, we've discussed today.
1: Yeah, no, it's an interesting debate. Um, there's certainly something to be said about the value placed on wildlife and that, and how that value is translated into keeping wildlife on the landscape. But there's also then something to be said about wildlife being in the public trust and being accessible to all. Um, and so I think that's where the rubber meets the road is yeah. right there. And, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I appreciate your time, Joel. I know it took us a while to get together and connect. Um, and uh, yeah, I appreciate your, your thoughtfulness.
2: Happy to help out. Um, yeah, I wish I had more answers, but I don't.
3: No worries. Well, that's it for today. I appreciate you listening, as always. Leave a review, share it with your friends, and most importantly, do what's right to convey the truth around hunting.